Guys, welcome back to The Noble Broker. I am your host, Jonathan Lickstein. On The Noble Broker, we welcome producers and professionals because we are more than pretty people who sell pretty houses. We have passions, we have hobbies, we have lives outside of negotiating contracts and helping people get into their homes. Today, I want to welcome a true professional, my friend, Paulina Hurtado from Century 21, broker owner, Century 21 Global Connections Realty in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Welcome, Paulina. Thank you, Jonathan, for having me here. It's truly an honor. I'm very appreciative to welcome you today because we always appreciate new perspective. And you're going to give us a perspective that we haven't had on this podcast so far, which is coming from the Hispanic upbringing and involvement in this profession that we have of real estate. So I appreciate you being here and providing your perspective to our listeners and giving me a new perspective as well. So thank you. Okay, we, thank you. We know you're from Latin, or in your case, we're going to call it Latina America, uh, from Ecuador. Tell us a little bit about how you came to the United States. What brought you here? How did you make your trip? So my dad, um, there was a recession going on in Ecuador, and all the accounts got frozen, and he lost everything um, when he invested with the wrong people. Uh, we were on vacation here, and he went to take out money out of the ATM and there was no money. So my stepmom at the time said, I guess we're moving to the United States because your two daughters are here and that's what we're doing. So, so you guys were here on vacation. Your dad went, found, discovered that he had, everything had been lost and your stepmother was here or she was in Ecuador? No, we were all here, we were vacationing. And you just stayed, that was it? Um, my dad went back to sell a couple of things I, I, uh, and also to settle everything with my mom in the custody. Um, and he came first. I came three years later. Okay. So what was it a plan beforehand that he had wanted to move here or had thought about it or it was just circumstances led you to this destination? So if you ever asked my dad, my dad would tell you that not in a million years we, he would have moved here. Okay. So it was the circumstances of losing everything and having to start over in another country. He was 55 years old. He spoke no English. Um, and he pretty much had to start from zero. And this is where perspective comes into play. Is as, as an immigrant family coming here and living in, in the United States, was it Florida that you first came to? Mm-hmm. Okay, so living in Florida as an immigrant family, your father not speaking any English, what was that like as a kid growing up and seeing the struggles that he had to go through to provide for you guys? So he is, as I always call him, my hero. Um, I saw my dad have three jobs. I saw him sleep on the floor in the living room and literally sleep like for two hours at a time. Um, but you know, one of the things that I remember with him is the quality time that he spent with us. So when it was the time for his kids, it was an undivided time with him instead of the quantity. So that is what pushes me forward every time that I come to adversity or I encounter a stumping block. And I remember those days and I remember what he went through. And I also see what he is now. He's 76 years old. He's completely independent. He, they don't depend on anybody. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we have in the Hispanic community is usually we inherit to our kids debt instead of actually teaching them how to manage the money. And he taught us that even if you lose everything overnight, that you could start all over and that you can still be successful. It's those, those lessons that you learned there growing up explain a lot of what I see for you. 
and how present and active you are with your two daughters and being in their lives and when you're with them you're with them uh, it's, it's hard to balance that I, I i find that struggle myself with my boys and having to be so devoted to your business and the growth of your business and your involvement your volunteer time of giving back but balancing that with the time you want to spend with your kids how do you manage that in between and still stay active on both sides so I think there's a huge thing when it comes to being a mom you have what you call mom guilt and you know dad guilt some dads also have it um, my, my dad was always more of a mom than a dad so I grew up with him also feeling guilty many times when he had to go to work and he had to leave us um, but he was the one that taught me that quality is more important than quantity. Um, what good is it to your kids to be there all the time with them if you're overtired, overwhelmed, stressed out, you're worrying about how to pay your bills, and you know, you're pretty much just bickering back and forth to them. It's better to understand that when you're taking the time off to be with your kids, you're going to be there and you're present. And also, be the, the good thing about this business is that it gives us the flexibility to be able to be at every school event, to be able to manage our own time, to be there present when they need us. I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> Being present where you are, whether it's work or home, uh, it, it, is, it is the quality. And as they grow, just like what you remember when you were growing up, it's that quality, valuable time that you're having with your, your parents, your dad in your case, and in your daughter's case, their mother that they're gonna remember as they grow and these are the, the values you're instilling with them for the rest of their life. Um, so that, that work ethic that your father had continued to impact you throughout your career as you started. And if I remember correctly, uh, I read an article about you that said you started working responsibly with, with major things so hanging over your head at 16 um, as a bank teller. Yes. So I was blessed enough to, one of my first jobs that I ever got was actually in the collections department for Bank of America. And I was 16 years old and I got offered this position which was incredible to me because at 16, at that time minimum wage was $4.75 and the bank was paying me $9.25. So that was huge for me. Ballin'. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think that, um, you know, just having the opportunity was such a huge blessing, but it also made me be, on, be able to not be so afraid to be on the phone. Um, my first phone call in Bank of America was with a client that said, go ahead, come and repossess the car because I have cancer and I'm dying. Oof. <laughs> Oof. So I hung up that phone call and I cried for a good like 20 minutes, um, but it pushed me to understand that you know there are certain circumstances in life but the fact that i had the opportunity to be there was a blessing to me as it was so let, let's talk about your progression uh professionally and how you got to where you are now so you started 16 as a bank teller making double minimum wage balling at 16 a, a collections right doing outgoing calls for collections that Sounds like a lot of people that I want to curse out on the phone right now. Uh, but you progressed and there was a transitionary period where you went from the financial side into kind of financial and real estate that kind of bridged the gap as you transitioned over. So there's always a reason that we get into real estate. There's an origin story, a person, a place, or an event 
that caused you to make that jump, go do the work and get your license, and then the rest is history from there. So who is that influential person or what was that influential event that caused you to make that switch and, and what finally made it flip? So parents know best, right? Um, so I went from the collections department to be, to be a teller um, at Wells Fargo or at that time was Wachovia. And I used to see how the mortgage brokers would make so much money. And I was like, you know what, that, that's where I want to be. Like, I'm going to go and I'm going to get my mortgage license. And at the time, I was also going to school um, for business administration. And I started studying to be a mortgage broker. And my dad called me up one day and he had gotten his real estate license. And he said, you would be really good at this. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be a realtor. Most realtors that I know make zero money and they're always broke. And no, I want to be a mortgage broker. As persistent as my dad is, he would call me up every day multiple times a day and i'm like you know what that i'm just gonna get my real estate license to get you off my back and i did i got my real estate license and my mortgage license um i did one mortgage transaction and i realized mortgages was not for me so that's how i ended up in the real estate career and then i realized real estate was for me and i really loved it well you say parents know best and you know at the at some times when we're being told things from our parents right it's it's hard to realize that and kind of swallow our own pride that maybe they do know but we think we know better now that the shoes on the other foot and you tell your daughters things and you th you're saying what you know best and do you ever encounter um, a little taste of your own medicine of course my um, oldest Isabella is six years old and she has a very a strong personality um, and she negotiates everything with me. Um, and I think that's wonder where what, she got that from. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that's what's going to make her successful in life. It just makes my life harder. Um, but I, I try to embrace that. Like the other day she wants to, um, she wants to put on a, a lemonade stand. So I said, okay, you have a couple of dollars and in your bank, you know, in your piggy bank, I was like, so you can buy the lemonade stand. I'll give you a loan. And then once you make the money, you pay the loan back. Um, and I learned from when I was five years old with my dad how to manage money. And I want to teach my daughters that too. Life lessons that will definitely benefit. It's, it's one of the issues of our youth coming up. They're not really taught how to manage and how important credit scores are and how to manage their money and kind of leverage that for the future to create long-term or even generational wealth. So I applaud you, commend you in, in, that, uh, in that aspect. I'd love to share some parenting secrets with you and vice versa that uh, maybe we can all learn better from. Absolutely. So you've been in the business now for how many years? 17 years. 17 years in real estate, almost an entire adult, right? You're about to hit adult, adulthood next year in your career in real estate, and you've been a broker for the majority of that, I assume. I've been a broker for 12 years. For 12 years, okay. So 12 years in being a broker, what is something that you would tell yourself in the beginning that you know now that you wish you knew then? I would have said um, when I started in real estate, I started with a company called Rent Free Realty. Heard of it. Um, you know, one of the biggest thing was trying to convince your clients that are renting to go ahead and buy when you're working for a company called Rent Free. Um, I've never been one person to make excuses, so I stuck it out and I stayed with the company for five years because I was just not one person to jump around. But I would say to myself, you know, switch to a major company, a company that will make you succeed and that specializes in sales rather than just rentals. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of different perspectives on how agents can start, right? You started with a company called Rent Free, and even in today's market, uh, I say new agents coming in, rentals is a big part of your business starting out and building a network. So what's you lessons learned, right? What's a tip that you would give or something that you would tell a new agent to focus on in order to find long-term success? Consistency. I think one of the biggest things that we see as brokers, and you will understand me, is the lack of consistency. Um, most people think that because they could make their money, they, they could make, um, make up their own time, they start work at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning, and then by 2 o'clock they're done. And then they do that for six months, and then they come to you as the broker and say, I'm not making any money. Well, you're not even treating this as a part-time job. In a part-time job, you would actually have to work at least four hours a day. Um, so I think the biggest thing that people ha lack in this business is consistency um, and then training and broker support. I think that's huge. Aligning uh, yourself with the company that has the training and the broker support is very important. It's, it sounds like you, um, you're very open to call your agents out or call new agents out who aren't really putting the effort in. Or call them out on, on their laziness or on their own shit, to be honest with you. So is that your leadership style, kind of being real, being unfiltered, being direct? Or, or what, is, what do you find to be your style of leadership with your agents or the people around you that you influence? So I don't ever ask my agents to do anything that I wouldn't do. So if I'm not willing to get on the phone and call a call, then I'm not going to ask my agents to do that. If I'm not willing to go and door knock, then I'm not going to ask my agents to do that. I do believe that as a leader, you have to be on the front line. Um, and I'll give you an example. We went to the 121 Century 21 um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I had an idea and I said, you know, I told my agents that the ones that were going with me, we need to really do something to stick out. And I remember there was uh, this woman that was called the Referral Wonder Woman of Georgia, Atlanta, um, that she would go to these conventions and she would always wear the Wonder Woman outfit. So I was like, we got to do something to stick out. So we went through a couple of like different things and I said, let's just dress the sunshines. And two of my agents are like, let's do it. The other two agents are like, no, you know, we're gonna look ridiculous, whatnot. So we actually bought the sunshine goddesses dresses or whatever. And to tell you the outcome of that, it's incredible. Sure. I mean, we got stopped by people we, we got, like, as if we were a celebrity. People wanted to take pictures with us. The cards, we made special sun cards for the, for the event. We all ran out of them, except for the two agents that did not want to dress the sunshine. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, we're going to do it next year. They already got um, two referrals from that. And within, like, a week of us getting back, they already got two referrals, and one client is already under contract. So you talk about making yourself, differentiating yourself in a marketplace where everyone looks the same. Everyone's the top agent in their neighborhood. Everyone is willing to take a referral. Everyone's willing to help somebody out and go the quote unquote extra mile. But you really put, you put your outfits on and you really showed it and made yourselves stand out. And that paid dividends. So a good lesson learned from that is differentiate yourself. Do something to get yourself noticed. Well, I mean, it was very nerve-wracking, and as I'm putting on this cape and this outfit, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm the broker of, of the office. How is this going to look in front of other brokers? Am I going to look unprofessional? Am I? But, you know, the, the fact that I gave 
my word to my agents is what I said, you know what, we're doing it and it is what it is. And you were willing to do it right alongside them. Yep. I remember seeing that on social media and honestly it was the picture with the sunshine head like headdress <laughs> that made me stop. So it sticks out not only with the people that are right in front of you, but inherently it happens online for a period of time. And I guarantee you anyone who checks you out and looks at your profile is going to see that and not think you're ridiculous, but think that you're fun, you're approachable, and they will notice it. So interesting idea. Um, where, did you get that from the, you got that from the Wonder Woman? We got that idea from the Wonder Woman and then, you know, we actually gave her credit. We said, you know, you actually um, inspired us to dress the sunshine. And then we actually were able to have lunch with her. Um, and towards the end of the, the, the convention, we ended up doing a video. The Century Tonoa has a place called Workplace. So we were able to do video and kind of collaborate together and say, if you have referrals in Georgia, send them to Referral Wonder Woman. And if you have them in Florida, send them to the Sunshine Goddesses. Or what a fantastic idea. So the first time we met was at an event for NAREP the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. And you were entering a bit of a leadership journey with NAREP, and it was my first event. So right there showed me a little bit about you, not only that you want to give back and you want to volunteer, but you were embracing the Latin community within your area, the Latin culture within your community as being part of your, your mantra, your business model, your messaging. And what has embracing that culture been like on the positive and maybe the negative, I don't know, um, for your business. So one of the things that um, I wanted to do is leave a legacy for my kids. Um, and part of that legacy is saying, let me not only just leave you an inheritance, like some people do, but let me actually leave you ways for you to start business, learn to fall. The, the quicker you fail, the quicker you can get up, right? Um, so don't be afraid, afraid to fail. And I, I heard that from a, from a great mentor. Um, and one of the things that I, when I started with NAREP that I liked is that they are educating the Hispanic community on how to become homeowners um, and how to leave a legacy to our future generation. Because like I said, most Hispanics, most Hispanics end up leaving debt to the kids or we end up living paycheck to paycheck. And what we want to do is we want to try to leave that legacy of how to have financial freedom. Um, it's not about the money, it's about how to do the financial freedom and how to acquire financial freedom. The work that you do now pays dividends for the next generation. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. It's a whole lot easier to find success when there's success being passed down from the generation before you. It is a lot harder to start from zero and be hero. Right? Zero to hero. <laughs> uh, now, it's, it's a big difference being in South Florida and being able to embrace and be involved with that like-minded community trying to make a difference within their culture. Something fortunate we have is living in South Florida where there is a very large Latin population or Hispanic population. It, it's an opportunity for you to network and build business with other people that share that same desire to make change for the next generation. And it's fortunate. Have you ever considered or thought about that you have that opportunity by living here compared to, let's say, your vacation from Ecuador went to West Virginia and that's where you ended up and you don't have a big Latin or Hispanic community there? Um, have you thought about that or compared 
how being in a marketplace with other people from similar upbringings or cultures give you that opportunity to network with as opposed to being a fish out of water in a different place. So I do believe that the opportunity is greater here in South Florida because of the different cultures and how we all embrace each other's cultures together. Um, but I also did learn something from my dad at a very young age. Um, you can make a change anywhere that you're at. So if I was in West Virginia and I really wanted to make a change in the Hispanic community, then yes, it would be a lot harder, but not impossible. True, I like that. Nothing's impossible, but it can be more difficult. Your drive is what's gonna get you across that board. Exactly. Now, I'm gonna bring up something else. I, I read another article that had a quote from you. In business, it's important to create a raving fan and not just customers and clients going deal to deal. What does that mean to you? So do the right thing always. Um, that's not, you know, I do believe that if you do the right thing in real estate, the commission will follow. Um, there's many times, for example, oh. right now we're dealing with a client that is buying a property in Miami and the association has a whole bunch of liens, uh, two litigations. It's a mess, right? Um, and I do believe that, you know, you got to be honest with your client and say, listen, my advice is for you not to purchase this property. Um, if you're afraid to, for the deal to fall just because you don't want your commission to fall, then that's not going to be your raving fan. That raving fan is going to come to you because that client is going to say, you know what, she actually was completely 100% honest with me of what was going on and actually prevented me from maybe getting myself into a disaster. Being real, not looking at what your paycheck is, but looking out for the consumer. And, and that, is, that is definitely felt on the other side. That's it's for sure. I mean, I've read numerous Google reviews from companies and agents that talk about this person just wanted their check and others saying they sacrificed for me. So. And that, that's creating a raving fan. Now let, let's pivot for a minute and go a different direction, okay? We've been talking about the Hispanic community, et cetera, and I constantly see you on social media. See, we get windows into people's lives on social media, right? <laughs> Never before have we had such an intrusive tool that allows us to spy on everybody. Um, not that I do that, <laughs> but I constantly see you traveling and going to South America, for example, and, and doing seminars about home ownership and investing in the United States and what sparked you or got you to do that stuff? So one of the things that pushed me to do that was when my dad lost everything. So we talked about him putting the money in the, in, in the wrong place because, you know, he wanted a higher interest rate, right? But then even when he went back to sell everything, the government was going through this change where they ended up freezing everybody's accounts. So the banks went bankrupt and everybody lost their money. Um, my dad was fortunate enough that when he put it in Banco Popular, he ended up putting, telling them to put it in, in the Bahamas. So we then ended up not losing the, the money that he got from the house. But, you know, to see the damage that that did to so many communities, I mean, there were people committing suicide. There were people living on the streets. I mean, what exactly do you do when you go to the bank and you have nothing? Um, we, had, we were fortunate enough to move to this country because um, I, my sisters had come first and they were able to actually ask, you know, for us to be able to come here. Um, most people don't have that ability. 
Um, so what has pushed me is what's going on in South America right now with every single one of the governments um, and where that's heading out right now. And if what we want to teach is to the Hispanic community is financial freedom, how do we do that aside from just in, in South Florida? How do we move that and teach people over there that they could actually invest money here and it's a much more secure place to do that? That's incredible. It's lessons that you learned growing up that you're now being able to turn around and make an impact on other people's lives due to what you experienced. That's uh, it's crazy. That's awesome. Um, do you do it only in, where, where do you do those? So we've been to Colombia. Um, we're actually planning to do that in Argentina uh, this year, and we're going to go to Chile. Um, and those are the ones where they're having a major political change. And that's where we want to focus on for right now. It's incredible. Do you take agents with you or is this something that you just do on your own? So I'm not, I'm a non-competing broker. Um, and what I do is I usually team up with somebody that it's an agent that wants to do that. In the case of Colombia, we ended up doing it with Arelis. She's one of my agents. Um, and I'll help them, you know, and I'll go with them. Like I told you, I'm very involved when it comes to let's do this together. But at the end of the day afterwards, you know, they're the ones that are going to run with the clients in the list and we'll do different things together. As you said before, I won't do any, I won't tell my agents to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. And you're there, boots on the ground, doing it with your agent, traveling to South America, which I'm sure is a huge sacrifice to go on vacation to South America. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely lends a lot to the relationship that you build with your agents and creating that that culture of I'm in this with you, we're in this fight together, we can make an impact together, probably creates incredible retention for you. Um, what are some of the other things that you do to build culture between you and your agents? So we are truly are like a family, right? We, we laugh together, we cry together, we grow together. And one of the things that um, I was telling you about, we are in the process of um, rebuilding the office and as we were discussing earlier I don't have an office and why is that is because I do believe very strictly on an open-door policy where the agents can come in and understand that we're all in this together it's awesome and it's it's not just saying it's doing so I'm gonna ask you a random question okay um, actually before we get there we're gonna do something unique that I don't do with a lot of the guests <laughs> but I want to get your quick mind thinking so we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round. I'm going to give you a term and tell me the first thing that comes to mind. It can be one word. It can be a sentence. You can go a couple words. I don't care. I'm just going to give you a few <laughs> words, right? Okay. Real estate. Financial freedom. Okay. Legacy. Honesty. Family. Legacy. Leadership. Leading from the front line. Politics. We don't talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I was baiting you. It was good. Great answer. We're going to end it right there. <laughs> but let, let's jump forward. So in, in real estate and life as a, as a mother, you can your time is precious. And it's really hard to find free time to go unwind, relax, just let go. What is your go-to to stress relieve and just relax and let go of the hair pulling from this deal or the hair pulling from this parenting activity. What is your go-to hobby to relax? Vacation. Vacation? Yep. In South America doing home seminars. In South America doing home <laughs> seminars. 
or traveling dressed as a son to Century 21 conferences. That one too. Now, that was not and stressful. That was a very stressful time during the conference because uh, we literally we were so overwhelmed with how much impact that made that people were meeting with us. I remember that night and I, and I remember the next day when we didn't dress as sunshines, people were like, where's your sunshine? Where's your cape? Sunshine is from within. <laughs> it's from here. It's from the That's heart. Right. <laughs> so the third day, we're like, okay, I guess we're putting our cape and our things on. Um, but no, vacationing, I think that every, every couple of months, I, I got to be able to at least disconnect for a weekend. And even my assistant tells me when I start getting burned out, just just, just go. Just grab the car and drive that's <laughs> for like tell, the that's next telling three her, days. That's her telling you to get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so kind of bringing this full circle back before I ask you a few more questions. You're, as growing up, would you say your, your most influential, your biggest leader, your biggest mentor was your father? Yes. And the struggles he went through and demonstrated for you. Yes. Now that you've grown, you're almost an adult person into your real estate career. Do you find now that the shoe is on the other foot and you're making an impact that will last a lifetime on other people around you? Absolutely. Um, I love more than than anything in the world is to see people be financially successful. Um, one of the things that I learned was not only to do real estate, but actually to be able to lend money um, and then do flips, home flips. So there's so many avenues in the real estate market that you could make money on. And if you teach people, and I remember my first loan to somebody was like $10,000. It was not a lot. At a ten percent interest. I mean, ten thousand dollars to some people is a lot of money. Right. I mean, but subjective, right? It right. Not, I mean, I didn't mean to say that it's not a lot of money, but it, I meant to say most people don't think that they could give a loan to somebody with just ten thousand dollars. Usually, they believe that you have to have fifty, a hundred thousand, or more than that. Um, but I remember the first one was ten thousand dollars, and I actually taught one of my agents how to lend two thousand dollars. And it's just a matter of putting the money that you have in the bank to work. Um, if it's sitting in the bank, it's depreciating in value. So if you learn how to be able to give loans, obviously they have to be secure loans or even little loans, um, or loans that you could actually be able to afford to say, okay, if, if God forbid you know, we lose this, then it's fine. But teaching somebody to have financial freedom has been my biggest reward. Can I borrow $10,000, Paulina? Yes. Okay, thank you. 15% interest. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> All right, so traveling is important to you and it helps you unwind. Yes. Um, give me a place that you've traveled to in Florida that maybe most people don't know about. Most people should know about this. Marco Island or Naples. I love, I love the West Coast. I do too. You know, somebody asked me that question about 10 days ago. What, what my hidden spot was, and it was the same thing. It was West Coast of Florida. It was this little town called Indian Rocks. One lane going up and down, oyster capital, quiet beach town, beautiful beach. I, the, the beach is so calm, so quiet. The sand is so white, and it's just so peaceful over there. Completely agree. Completely agree. Now, this is a podcast that we hope, well, everybody who's listening to this is a listener of this podcast. So thank you for listening. Uh, but there are other influences that have impacted me throughout my career and some quotes or advice that I gained from those help me grow and, and leverage those into what I do. What are some of these books or podcasts or speakers 
that you feel have impacted you or changed your life? So definitely Robert Kawasaki. Um, there is a book called Poor Dad, Rich Dad. Everybody should read that book. Um, when I read it when I was 20 years old, it definitely made me realize that how you should not be only investing your money in one pod, but you actually should have different avenues of investment. Um, and Tony Robbins, I love him. Um, I think that I like how upfront he is and it's, he's a great motivational speaker. I love it. So you got some good ones to listen to. You can make a change in other people's lives and help them find financial freedom. Don't think that you're just doing it for yourself. You can make an impact on those around you and make change for something bigger than what you expected to be up front. And that's noble. Thanks for coming, Paulina. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. <laughs>